Well, you can tell today that we have a furry friend joining us. This is Ollie the dog, who is walking uh, with me and Roger Hargreaves from the Glossop Heritage Trust. I always have to like take a breath to say that, Roger, uh, just to make sure I've got it right. GHT. Yes. It makes me always think of a popular hair straightener brand. GHD. I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in the market for hair, hair straighteners. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the podcast and we've come further down the valley this time. We have parked just once where Croydon train station was. Uh, we can see the railway cottages uh, just up on the hill here and the Woodhead Pass uh, a little bit further over the other side of the water. Well, where Torside Reservoir meets Woodhead Reservoir and we are walking south side of Woodhead Reservoir. We're going to keep walking for maybe 15-20 minutes or so and turn around and come back. It's quite windy today so when we turn a corner you may uh, <laughs> you may get a gust of wind so forgive us for that. I've now got to navigate a massive puddle. Well, um, uh, yeah, okay, Roger's taking the uh, better route. I was going to go straight through the middle, but he's found stepping stones. Um, today we're going to talk about traffic. Um, not necessarily in the type of traffic you're thinking. Today, I suppose traffic is quite different, Roger, isn't it? In the form of trucks and cars, which uh, not everybody is happy about, let's put it that way, no. um, along Woodhead Pass. But this point where we are now, if we just kind of take a pause, so this is where Crowden Station was, which yes. is nearer the water. Yeah. Um, what can you kind of tell us about, you know, Crowden Station? It was obviously on the Manchester to Sheffield line. But what, what do we know about Crowden Station? Well, it was quite big uh, in, in its final final form. It was, uh, it, it had a central platform, and there were lines on both sides, and uh, it would have been at times would have been fairly busy here. There were quite a lot of weekend tourist traffic, uh, day trippers coming to here or to Woodhead Station. Mm -hmm. uh, the railway was here before the, 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 the waterworks started, so it would have been very busy while the waterworks was, was going on. Mm. Um, but I, I guess towards the end, it will, we, we know from the accounts of people like John Davies who lived up here, here that it was... It was uh, uh, it got a lot quieter. Uh, Once all the work was done, I suppose. Yes, yeah. yes and the, uh, the the day trippers uh, moved elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because one of the things I'm going to be doing for part of Longdondale Tales is on Saturdays we'll be recounting a story called A Picnic from Woodhead, which we're dividing into four parts of uh, a, a bunch of travellers who get off the train at Hadfield train station walk over the hill near to where we are, well, on the other side, go into the inn for a bit of a pause and then happen to come back somehow to Croydon. So that will be uh, on Saturdays. But yes, another account, as you say, of these day trippers. Um, John Davies, you mentioned, lived in the railway cottages yes. since, we think, 1912 when he was a boy. He helped renovate or build the porch which is now on St James Chapel across the water That's right, yes he worked on the railway for maybe 50 years and we've got some of the letters uh, written to him 
to a local schoolboy, a transcript as well, which is recounting all of his stories of seeing the Londondale lights and such. But I suppose the railway is what most people know about here, really, that the Londondale Trail or the Trans-Pennine Trail that, that it's part of. That's what most people know about this particular section. But there's more than the railway, isn't there? It, at, I think you said on an email to me, this at one point was the M62 of the medieval yes, ages, yes, which intrigued me. Yes, it's the, the, the valley has been a major transport route since prehistoric times. Uh, we found lots of flints uh, from just below us at Torside. Uh, which show that there were there were lots of travellers through the valley even in prehistoric times. And is that because flint wouldn't ever be from here? They've obviously be, come from somewhere else to bring it here. Uh, well, yes, they've they've come from somewhere else, but also it shows that there was a lot of there were there were there were people there were lots of people moving through in order to to, to leave it. The, the salt traffic probably goes back to prehistoric times. Uh, salt until the 18th century, salt was an absolutely vital commodity because uh, farmers couldn't feed all their animals during winter they had to slaughter a a percentage of them uh, in the autumn and then they had to use salt they used salt to preserve the meat for winter Mm. so salt was absolutely crucial Uh, and of course salt isn't available everywhere it's only available in a few places Um, and the main source of salt uh, in this part of the world was 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 and still is from North Cheshire uh, so the salt had to be traded over relatively long distances, even going back into prehistory. Yeah. Uh, uh, people needed it, and this was one of one of several salt corridors um, between the witches in, in in Cheshire and Yorkshire. Wow! So you mean the witches like Northwich, Northwich, yeah. Middlewich, Nantwich? Most of it here would have come from Northwich, probably. Uh, the saltway ran down both sides of the valley, and right. we're more or less on the line of the south line of the of the saltway uh, here. Although the railway has obliterated most of the evidence, mm. uh, I've I've traced as much of it as I can. Uh, um, and it's amazing, really, because you know, to to the ordinary eye, to me, there's a lot of grass, there's a lot of trees, there's a few rocks, but I think it's always interesting doing these projects to kind of then for you to delve into the history and you look a little bit closer and you start to see the other the markers and these paths as you say yes yes, yes. it's there if it's there if you know what to look for yeah. there's more remaining on the north side because the the, the, the railway hasn't obliterated it um, how um, far back are we going you say like we're, we're, medieval but what about yes, Romans, well, there, there would there would there would have been there would have been salt traffic even in prehistoric times there was certainly a lot of salt traffic in roman times it was very important uh, to the Romans, wow. uh, and of course they paid their soldiers partly in salt and salary. Uh, <laughs> really, the term salary is, wow. is uh, comes from the, uh, the, the the practice of paying the the soldiers partly in they salt. Were paid in salt. Yes, so it was, it was a, a, a valuable commodity. Yeah, uh, and it continued really until the early 18th century when farmers uh, found ways of feeding all their stock during the winter. Uh, salt wasn't as necessary for domestic use Mm. Uh, it became possible to move salt by sea from from the witches uh, and so the salt trade effectively disappeared but there there would have been lots of other things carried as well besides salt this would have been a major route for uh, the wool trade 
in in the in the later Middle Ages. Yeah, I heard like you know, obviously a long um, Woodhead Pass. When I've looked into the maps, say from. 1840s, 1860s, 1870s, you can see that there were a number of pubs or inns along what is now Woodhead Pass. And I guess that's because if people were travelling by foot, they needed to stop every so often. Oh, yes. If anything, to kind of hide from the weather, I suppose. Yes, yes. But the Miller's Arms at Salter's Brook seems to be a particularly interesting point for a meeting of traffic because of it kind of across the borders where shepherds would meet and trade sheep i understand yes well they had a the miller's arms they had a i think they had an annual gathering uh, on open moorland uh, sheep tend to get they tend to wander oh so they bring them back <laughs> and uh, uh, so every, every so often the farmers would gather the sheep together and sort out whose was who uh, whose was whose uh, i suppose um a lot of people have heard about the Woodhead Tunnels and that has particularly interesting history, I suppose, from the building of it to the using of it. There's, there were three tunnels in the end. There was the big restaurant there that I understand. There was a pub on top of the tunnels. Um, what what do we kind of know about some of that? I was trying to almost work out a bit of a timeline, I suppose, of what happened when because it just seemed to be such a busy period and then almost now you go there and it's there's nothing quiet. yeah <laughs> yes yes well the the first tunnel was started in 1837 sorry 1838 18, sorry, 1838 yeah. so it took seven years to complete and so, almost as soon as they'd finished building the first they started on the second yeah uh, i wonder what they built it with you know now they've got machines and technology it must have been well, awful the, the, the way that they did it was to dig shafts down from the moor above and then work from the bottom out from the bottom of the shafts yeah. uh, there were there were several shafts so in addition to digging from either end they, they dug from the from the center uh, and they would have used uh, gunpowder to to uh, to blast the rock out mm. and it probably explains a lot of the fatalities it was uh, yeah, pretty uh, dangerous very very costly in, in, in terms of human life uh, uh, very dangerous uh, and it was the biggest project of its kind in the world at that time it was the, the, the biggest and longest tunnel uh, of its kind did yeah. the people who were building the tunnels did they live in a camp somewhere nearby Se- several camps yeah. uh, th- there has been some research done on this uh, we don't know where they all were but we, we, we can work out where some of them were some of them a lot of them would have lived on the top of the moor near to the near to the shafts because uh, that that was where they were working near where windscar reservoir is uh, and there would have been now yes towards dunford bridge if you look yes, on the map there would have there would have been uh uh camps in the va- in the valley around dunford bridge because that was the the other end of the tunnel yes uh and uh so yes they would have been scattered in in in, in various locations one of the things I was also reading about was how superstitious a lot of the navvies who were building the tunnels were. Um, many of them were Irish and they used to kind of feel there was a sense of, I don't know, the place was slightly haunted. And um, I understand from some people who've got in contact to me who walk this area a lot, there are kind of, um, what do you call them? Not ghouls, goblins. Um, you know, the kind of the things you see on the side of 
churches, the scary faces. Yes. That kind of warn, warn people, warn the demons away. Um, yes. And they kind of had, they had all these superstitious kind of things they had around the area where they lived because they felt that there was a sense of some kind of doom here. And I suppose also to hopefully ward away death for the dangerous work that they were doing. Yes, I, I, I don't think it was particularly associated with the, the navvies. The, the stone head tradition goes back, a, probably goes back a long, long way before that. Yeah. Longdendale is basically the stone head capital of Derbyshire. We've, we've, got, we've found more of them here than, than, than anywhere else. They are what they are and whether they are, what, whether there's any, any connection between them is, is, is very difficult to, a great deal of uncertainty about it. Yeah, I suppose they didn't have Google back in the day. Um, where we are now, to the left of us, the road starts to open out. And I mean, this place here looks so different in so many different times of year. You've got the moorlands, which are really rugged to the right hand side. They're brown. You know, some of them have got a bit of heather on. Uh, they're pretty, yeah, rugged, I suppose is the word. To the left, whilst the reservoir looks pretty full now for the woodhead. There are certain times of year where it looks empty and bare and ugly, if I'm honest. You know, dirty sand, brown of so many different colours. And there are sometimes hundreds of gulls that oh, yes. sit on the bank here, aren't there? There's yes, quite a few yes. now. Yes, Ollie could tell you about the gulls. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet. Ornithology is his main interest. <laughs> but just over the way, we can see... Um, Pike Nays Farm, where a lady called Helen runs the show over there. And it's only just noticeable now, but if you drive the Wooded Pass, you probably drive over and never know, there's Nine Holes Bridge. Yes. And we can just about see the semicircles because the water's pretty full. full. I understand, and there's the turning for Home Firth as well, yeah. which at the top of that was the Tolmash Inn. Uh, it was a, a sober temperance pub. Yes. I think over that way where the stream I've been told there are some stonemason um, carvings um, along the stream there as well. But this particular area, I mean, there were more pubs in this place. There was the Angel, I think there was the Georgian Dragon. Yes, yes, the Angel was over, the old Angel was on the old road, which you can see above the white van. And then the, 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 when, the, when the new road was built in the 1820s, the Angel uh, moved down uh, to, to quite close to where the water the water's edge now I can I can just see the the enclosure around that was around the pub before it was demolished I can just see that from here mm. but yes the, the, there were the, the, that was quite a big a, a big pub on the new turnpike on the 1820s turnpike for people who are not from this area and don't know the history it's kind of quite mad to kind of look out here and think wow there was like all these people trading salt there was several pubs that we would have been able to see here. Day yes. trippers coming on the railway. It's just like such a different place. It, yes, it, it would have been. It was it, throughout history. It's been a busy place. It's it's not been a a, a cul-de-sac. It's not been lonely and remote. <laughs> uh, the Victorian romantics portrayed it as such, but it, it wasn't like that at all. It couldn't have been. There were lots of people travelling through here and have been for thousands of years. Uh, and then in the 19th century, of course, there was the, the railway and then the waterworks, and it was all, all very busy for, for, for very long periods. Mm. Uh, it, in a way, it's quieter now, much quieter now than it, than it, than it has been, apart from, the, apart from the traffic. This 
particular reservoir, Woodhead Reservoir, I found quite interesting to read about because it looked like it was the hardest reservoir for them to actually complete. I mean, it took yes. 29 years to complete well, these well, sections. Was, uh, of course, they were all beginners in those days. They were doing things that nobody had ever done before. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Bateman certainly had no experience of anything that was the, on this scale because he nobody, was the nobody did. Engineer, he was the wasn't engineer. he? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he didn't get it right first time uh, and, and had to build a second dam to, to, to reinforce the first. It was still an amazing achievement. I think that you know it'd be really surprising for most people who don't know about the fact that these reservoirs were built to help a, a rising cholera problem further down in the growing cotton towns oh, yes, for yes, Manchester. Exactly. They needed clean water, and uh, 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 so it was absolutely essential to the development of Manchester and, and the other towns uh, along the line to get clean water. And of course, in order to make sure it was clean they then had to more or less empty the rest of the landscape they'd taken all the valuable farmland anyway mm. uh, but they then more or less cleared the the remaining uh, farms and houses out of the valley um, because they were concerned about uh, about pollution um, they, they didn't want uh, too many people living within the the reservoir enclosure because of the uh, the risk of, uh, of infection there were a lot more people here once upon a time. Woodhead in particular, over there, there, were, there was a fa fairly significant village. Uh, and this was the last This is stop. behind Pikeney's yeah, um, Woodhead farm. The Woodhead village, basically. The, the Georgian Dragon pub was immediately opposite us here. Uh, just for the turning for Homeforth. I mean, now yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. There's just trees, there's yeah, just yeah. fields. But there would have been quite a number of people living here. Croydon was also quite... A reasonably big, well, is it hamlet? Is that what they they called yeah, yes, it in I the days? Yes, I mean, I at one point, did I read there were 139 households, and once the reservoirs were um, kind of finished, that dropped down to something like 39 households. Yes, yes something like that. Yes, yes. The good farmland all disappeared, so uh, uh, the farmers were just left with the high ground. Yeah. Um, so that the farmers would have. The, farming community would have reduced anyway yeah. uh, um, and yeah. do we know like who kind of owned the land back in the days uh, yes on this side the land was all part of the Howard estate yeah. but on the other side on the Cheshire side uh, it was split between several landowners although the the biggest landowners were the Tolmashes yeah. hence the Tolmash Arms the, yes. the pub uh, but there were other there were other landowners as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bretland family owned uh, land further up, uh, hence Bretland Edge, which is. I did. Over there. In fact, we'll turn around and walk back. <laughs> the, when am I going to get to the rabbits? <laughs> the, the Bretland family are interesting, aren't they? Because I looked up and they were one of the. I think it was a Reginald Bretland was yes. one of the people who donated for the upkeep of St James Chapel. Yes on the hill and well, I found it, it wouldn't be this one because he died before this was this one was built ah yes, but he, there is I found and this is where I thought you might be to help me I found in Mottram in Longdendale church much further down the valley yeah. obviously there is a marble statue on a plinth yes. of original yes that's Bretland yeah, that's right yeah. 
Yep, that's that's where he was buried. Who is he? I don't really know much uh, other than... Well, the Bretland family lived in Hollingworth, yeah. um, uh, although they did own land up further up here. Sort of uh, a local gentry family which got progressively richer during the 17th century. Uh, Reginald Bretland was a lawyer who practised in London. He was a senior judge. Uh, he gave money not just to the chapel, but he also gave money to... left money in his will for an improvement of the of the of the saltway wow uh, and i think that the the chapel the the, the modern chapel is probably the, 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 the in a way the consequence of his bequest because he provided money for a a causeway to be built from hollins up to saltersbrook so hollins is just at the end of roadswood reservoir yes, i yes, think yes hollins is down there yeah yeah uh, basically to try to improve the the saltway, which was probably not, it would have been extremely muddy in in, uh, yeah, in typical typical long on a day like weather. today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean that's interesting, is it? Because on a previous episode, I was talking about the Ethel's challenge, which is part of the campaign to protect rural England, and one of the Ethel's that you can visit as part of that ninety-five hills and summit challenge is. Bretland Edge. Yes. So now if you do the Ethels there is another little bit of information and it does explain because when I saw the marble statue which is in Mottram Church he had a wig or very fancy long hair, looked like he was a prog rock kind of dude yes. Yes. and he had loads of books so now yes. I think ah yes. it's because yes. he's a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> it yes. makes sense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you know so the people who own the land then would they have had tolls so then to take money as people pass through? Uh, How? No. Uh-huh. Uh, no, that's why eventually it was necessary to to, uh, to build a turnpike uh, in order to do just that. What is a turnpike? Well, basically a, a turnpike, uh, the, 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 it's, it's, it's a toll road. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a road, the, the turnpikes were built by turnpike trusts, mm-hmm. uh, which were usually composed of the local gentry and, 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 and business people, landowners, uh, people who had an interest in, in, in improving the condition of the road because they, they would benefit from it. Uh, they, they would get powers through an act of parliament which would then enable them to, uh, to borrow money uh, to, to improve the road uh, and uh, then to erect uh, toll gates it's like the M6 toll road of yes, its, it's time. A, yes, a, yes a toll, it's a, just a toll road. It's when are like, we talking about then? What, to, what kind of time was this? Well, the, 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 the turnpike on the other side of the valley, uh, the, the, the Manchester to Saltersbrook turnpike, was one of the earliest in this area, uh, and the act was passed in 1732. Right. Uh, so way before the reservoirs, way before oh, yes, the railway. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. yes. Uh, uh, at a time when the economy was still rural, basically, mm-hmm. uh, so they they built uh, they, they the, the the turnpike the, the term turnpike refers to the the rotating metal spike, which uh, they placed on top of the gate to discourage um, uh, horse riders from jumping it. <laughs> oh right, I did not know <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, wow. uh, that's 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 the turn spike. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hence, hence turnpike. Right. Um, so uh, yes, so they they, uh, uh, they they were able to charge to 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 to, to levy tolls, mm-hmm. 
that is if they could actually get people to use the road rather than go around. Uh, there was a problem of rat running. Uh, this, this is a constant theme through, through the whole of Turnpike history uh, of uh, the, the, the battle uh, between the, uh, the Turnpike trustees who needed the money and the uh, users of the road. Who well, you know, where there's a need, there's pay. a business demand, <laughs> yeah. isn't there? Yes. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Even uh, them. One of the problems here was that they built a, a, a toll gate just north of Woodhead, up on the moor. What does that involve? Is that just basically someone on there, 24-7, saying, give, give us your money? Yes, yes. Here's y- a yes, bucket. Y- yes, you have to have a, a, a... There would be a house, and the tollkeeper would live in the house and, and uh, uh, would uh, open the gate once the money had been... Once the, once the toll had been paid. What if they didn't pay? So you just think, oh, it must be a bit of a scary job, it really. It was a very scary job, yes. I think so. Yes, it was a very high risk, especially if you were up on the moors... At Woodhead, it was a very high-risk job, uh, and then during the uh, the building of the railways and then the uh, reservoirs, they had great difficulty uh, getting the money out of the contractors because, of course, the road was being used extremely heavily mm. uh, to, to carry all the stone and, and, and so on, uh, uh, and, and the contractors uh, would do their best to find ways round. Uh, <laughs> And so what they did was to create temporary toll, uh, toll toll houses. They built temporary toll houses at places where the contractors couldn't get round uh, to, to, to try to get some so money So there's almost it. a war between oh, yes. the landowners and then the new kind of boys in town who were building. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I would love to see the accounts for the building of the reservoirs. I think that would be quite complicated for even HMRC to go through. Do we know who paid for that? Uh, Manchester Corporation. I mean, is that like a public body or was it a set of like pretty much mill owners well, no, who... No, it was, the, it was Manchester City Council as, as right. it now, now is, yes. It was, I, did, uh, I mean, I, didn't, I genuinely yes, didn't yes, really yes, know yes. what that meant because yes. corporation sounds like yes. a commercial company, doesn't no, it, no, to most no, people? No, we're talking about the City Council. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was, it was owned by Manchester. The, the whole, all this land was owned by Manchester until... Uh, uh, Northwest Water uh, came into being in the 1960s, 70s, early 70s, was it? Yeah, of but course. Now like, United Utilities, yeah. Now United Utilities, but uh, it's uh, historically it's always been Manchester land uh, uh, since the 1840s. I've got to ask you about some rumours that I've heard. So Robin Hood and Dick Turpin, apparently oh. they passed through here. They were some of the traffic. Yes. Is this yes. just a load of nonsense? Yes. Like, I mean, yes. you know your stuff. You, you could probably add Charles Dickens, Oliver Cromwell, Elizabeth I, Mary is this, Queen of Scots. Is this where the line is where I've got folklore one side and I've got you, the actual yes. historian, yes. on the other side? Yes, there's... there's uh, uh, that all these tales you, you, were, were, were constantly battling against all the, these tales which were often told to people at primary school by teachers who should have known better. <laughs> uh, uh, well, then, that's what then, history then, is, isn't it? Yeah, well, that, that's the problem. And then, it, of course, it becomes, it becomes established fact. Yeah. Uh, Miss so-and-so said... <laughs> uh, but that uh, you can say there's no particular evidence of no, such no, oh, no, that's a shame though no, isn't it no, Robin Hood was everywhere it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's been fascinating to kind of 
walk with you Roger and just get a kind of greater understanding I think every time I come here I notice something different but you know I've always kind of gazed over the other side and thought what is that and I'll always now as you pointed it out you start to see the different paths and you start to think is that the salt path oh you know it makes me eager to kind of step over the other side when it's a bit warmer and a bit sunnier and a bit uh, you know less windy and go and trace that path myself it's the most interesting things are on the other side in fact (laughs) (laughs) but it's not as flat it's more difficult to walk over there that's that's yes when i lead walks it's always on the other side uh so there uh, we go well we'll we'll leave the sheep to uh maintain the salt path for us in the meantime but hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this and um do get in touch if you have things to share have you also walked the salt path have you come and walked here have you any stories of memories in your family of Croden station of this particular part of the woodhead reservoir we'd love to hear from you have a great day i'm off to go and get a cup of tea and warm up bye bye